from LPM, Louisville Public Media. My name is Carlos Hernandez Ocampo. I'm from Cuba. I recently graduated from law school here at the University of Louisville. I've got uh, three dogs, two children, and an amazing wife. I was born in Santiago de Cuba, uh, in Cuba, and uh, I moved to Havana when I was very young. Uh, my childhood was great, like any other Cuban child. We, we play outside, we climb trees, we, you know, don't have uh, video games or anything like that, so we still have slingshots and shoot birds with them. Really, really fun. My father was a diplomat and a lawyer in Cuba, and uh, he got disappointed with the, uh, with the system, the government in Cuba. He had been operating with it for a long time, and... Uh, he eventually left to Jamaica on a contract, and he defected. Then eventually he was able to uh, take my mother, my sister, and I out of the country. Uh, we were in Jamaica for about two, three years, uh, but unfortunately after some time, my dad uh, w uh, worked also closely with some business people in Jamaica and the government in Jamaica, and uh, some people were not too happy <laughs> with him. So the people that he, I, I guess you could say he, Ran afoul of. Uh, they had threatened him, and because I was the the male son, uh, they had threatened me as well. It's it's an old way of thinking that you know if if you kill the dad and the young the son gets to live, I guess that he could you know come back and have revenge or something. And my father he decided to split us up uh, since they would be looking for a family of four, and uh, he decided to live first with me since me and him were the highest risk. We got on a plane in Montego Bay, and me and him got here to Miami. When we got here, we uh, we turned ourselves in under the Cuban Adjustment Act. We were seeking political asylum. They they put us through the system. They We were at the airport for like two, three days in a holding cell. And then they sent us to Chrome Detention Center, which is uh, was an immigration, I don't know if it's still working, but it was an immigration detention center. I was there for about three or four days with my dad, with uh, the general population, until my dad got a bit upset. He, since he had been a lawyer in Cuba, he kind of knew how to talk very well, and he got upset, and he told the uh, couple of the guards there that you know he, he knew that we would get released eventually, and that that was a lawsuit, because I was underage, and I was uh, at a detention center with you know grown men, and some of them were criminals, and everybody was an immigrant, um, but you know, you, you get the, the full pick of the <laughs> of the world. So he, he made enough of a sting that they sent me to um, Boys Town of America, kind of like an orphanage. I was there for about a couple of weeks, probably almost a whole month. And uh, eventually, they when they released my dad, they released me. Welcome to America, the real America. We were at my grandmother's house uh, uh, for a couple of months. Uh, my dad. Uh, uh, hadn't gotten a work permit yet, so he had to do some odd jobs on the side. I guess that's one thing I, I, I always admired of him. He had been a diplomat, he had, he had met great politicians and you know prime ministers, presidents, uh, royalty throughout his life, but none of that made him a prideful person. Uh, you know, he, he needed to do a job on the side, in a construction side. He would just show up at a construction site and say, hey, I don't have a work permit, uh, what can I do and how much would you give me? And they say, well, how about 40 bucks a day for you being a, a gopher, you know, sweep here, sweep there? He said, well, where's the broom? <laughs> and that's something that I think he always uh, instilled in me. My mother and sister 
were supposed to be coming as well, but when they when they got on the airplane, uh, they were detained. They they found them, they they arrested them uh, in Jamaica. Which, uh, the, however bad uh, being arrested in the U.S. is, being arrested in a third world country is much worse. Uh, and they uh, they they deported them actually back to Cuba, and then Cuba didn't want them. So they deported them back to Jamaica, and then Jamaica didn't want them, and they deported them back to Cuba. And then Cuba didn't want them, they deported them back to Jamaica. And by that time, my, my sister, she was only 14 years old. She, she broke down at the airport before they sent her back to Cuba a third time, I believe it was. And, and this all happened within like the same day. And, you know, she just broke down. She said she wasn't going back to Cuba. They would have to like kill her, drag her there. It's not her country. They, they rejected her. So how could they send her back? And it was very painful. So they just threw them in, in a prison in Jamaica. Eventually, they released them. I think they were uh, they were arrested for like a, a couple of weeks. I don't, I, I don't remember. So it, it was it was hard because we have we had our own hardships here, but we also had the weight on our shoulders of my mom and sister going through their hardships in in Jamaica. They were in limbo. It, it, it was tough uh, at the beginning. We, we stayed with some friends. Uh, then well, somebody else took us in, and we were paying them like $300 a month, and we were literally living in a wooden shed in their yard in Miami. So, uh, yeah, $300 for a wooden shed. Uh, the plumbing was horrible. Uh, it was, I mean, deplorable conditions. Uh, third world in the U.S. And, and I, I always, I've always thought that was ironic that as I grew up and, and, and as I got older and I, we, we progressed and moved up, I guess you could say our economic situation got better and I got to meet what I call normal people that had a you know, nine to five job and lived in an actual apartment. I used to think that uh, people were so oblivious that there's, uh, there's a parallel world in the US that people don't know about. That there's people that live in third world conditions here and they, they still have jobs and they go to school and a lot of people just don't even know that they exist or how they live. So we, uh, we started doing a little bit better in Miami. Uh, my dad uh, was able to get a... Funny enough, when we lived in the shed, <laughs> yeah, we weren't jumping from house to house, so uh, he was able to go to night school. He was able to get his Jewish doctor uh, back in the U.S., Around that time, the um, Cuban visa lottery was still working, and so um, some of my uncles and aunts were able to come because uh, many cities were overpopulated or saturated with uh, immigrants, like New York, Miami, and LA. The government was trying to send refugees uh, to different cities that didn't have such a diversity, uh, and Louisville, Kentucky was one of them. And my uncle came here, and my uncle told my dad, hey, you know, an, an apartment here in Louisville is like $320 a month, you know, and it's easy to get a job, and there's nothing but money, and life is cheap. And uh, once again, we packed everything. We, we sold as much as we could, uh, and we, we had bought a small, cheap condo. We sold it, whatever money we got from the sale. We used it to rent a U-Haul truck, pack as much as we could fit into it, and just drove up to Kentucky. And uh, we got here in the summer of 2002. I started going to a Western high school. 
uh, of Rockford Lane, and it, it was great. There were so many immigrants. When I graduated from Western in 2004, uh, I was only 17 years old. I, I wanted to be a lawyer like my dad. He was working at another immigration law firm here by then. Uh, I, I worked there as a receptionist, law clerk. I did filing, and uh, I realized that I hated being a lawyer. <laughs> so go figure. You know, I, I, I got burned out uh, working there, and I was at the same time I was working there uh, 8 to 5, and I was going to JCC at night, and it was very hard because it, I, w I was just 17. I, I wasn't a very good student. By the time I graduated uh, Western, I was actually a very, very horrible student. <laughs> and I was trying to do night school, and, and I was uh, tired because a lot of my job entailed uh, reading, going through documents, uh, going to the courthouse, uh, a lot of mental work, I guess you could say. I used to get to the library, remember, uh, there was a very quiet section all the way in the back, and I was used to lay my head down, and when I woke up, both my classes had, had ended. When I was in JCC, the, the classes that I did the best in, uh, just uh, as an elective, I took an art appreciation class, and I remember that it was so amazing. Uh, I don't know why, I just thought it was beautiful. I, was, I had always been a, a big history buff, but history was always full of wars and, you know, uh, conquering and plagues and disease and hunger and famine. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I took art history, uh, the art appreciation, I got to see it through the eyes of the artists. And I, I think that what I loved um, about art history was how artists could take really horrible periods in history and make these beautiful uh, products out of it, these beautiful paintings. But that was, again, I, I was taking all the other general education classes, and I was doing really bad in those. <laughs> and uh, I, so I decided to quit college and just work for a time and figure out what I wanted to do. And I, was, uh, I, I, I always wanted to join the military. I actually had talked to a recruiter uh, when I was leaving high school, to join straight into the army. But my mother and my sister had gotten here in 2004. They got here about a month before I graduated high school. So my dad had a big talk with me and he said, look, I know you want to join the military and you know I applaud you for wanting to do something like that, but you haven't seen your mother and your sister for six years. So for them to get here and you tell them, hi, bye, <laughs> you know, it's kind of uh, not appropriate. So you know maybe you should just go to school get a job in here in town, which is why he got me the job at the law firm. And, you know, let's learn to be a family again. And that was tough. <laughs> that was very tough. So, you know, I, I, I left school and I went to work at the Brown Hotel. You know, in the, in the time I was at the Brown, I, uh, I, I, I met a couple of uh, Navy recruiters and they had kind of talked to me about the Navy because uh, they had a lot of people from the Navy that came into town. And so I just started talking to them, developed a friendship, and uh, I, I started thinking, well, maybe I should join the Navy. And, and it's funny because I always credit my wife. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. And one day I was just uh, having coffee with some friends talking, and I, I, I guess I, I have been boring her for a while talking about how, thinking how I should join the Navy. And, and she, she, she just snapped at me and said, you know, you talk so much about joining the military, maybe you should just go ahead and join. And the next day... 
I walk up, I walk up, I, I called into work, I, I went to my buddy's uh, recruiting office, which was across from the Brown Hotel, and I said, hey, Ben, sign me up. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, come on, I'm, I'm ready, just sign me up, when's the next ship leaving? He's like, are you sure, just like that? I'm like, yeah, man, I, I apparently, I, you know, it's, I'm not doing anything with my life, and you know, my girlfriend's mad at me, I keep talking about it, so it must be on my head if this is the only thing I talk about, so let's go, let's do it. So I was in the Navy for five years. Uh, I was a me medical uh, corpsman, which is the equivalent of an Army medic. Towards the end of my Navy career, I, I, I decided that I had found myself enough. <laughs> I had wasted time enough. I, I, I had, many of my friends were actually officers, Marine and Navy, and they were younger than me or my age. And uh, by then and I could tell that you know an education could really help me get to where I wanted to be in life, that just, you know, beating around the bushes, kicking rocks, like we say in the Navy, wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I made the decision, well, you know, we've got all these great benefits in the in the military and uh, might as well use them. So uh, I, I made a goal that I was going to get out because I, I I wanted to go to law school. I had, <laughs> I had grown up. They say if you don't rebel when you're young, you don't have a heart. If you don't conform when you're old, you don't have a uh, brain. So, but I looked into it, and the only thing you needed to go to law school was a bachelor's degree and pass the LSAT. And I thought, well, uh, if you need a bachelor's degree in anything, I might as well do what I love, art. And uh, I applied to the University of Louisville, and I got in. Because I thought this time around, I, I looked back at everything I did that failed in school. And I, you know, I, I was going to JCC and I got burned out and, you know, education didn't, didn't quite appeal to me. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to put it to the point where I have to do it or not. So I, I got to the art school and uh, it was a bit of a learning curve. Uh, many of those, uh, those other students were, have been doing art since they were in high school and middle school. I had just read about it. <laughs> so I had to actually learn how to draw and I had to learn how to paint, but it was beautiful it was amazing I, I love my time there I uh, I would I would stay in the painting studio for hours and end afterwards it, it, I, I there was something magical about sitting in front of the canvas I, I wasn't as talented as some of the other kids but I, I derived so much pleasure from painting one of my last classes I took was film photography and uh, photography had always appealed to me because my my uh, my grandmother's uh, uncles and you know, cousins, they actually had owned a newspaper in Cuba. You know, so I, I, I had grown up around photographs in my family, black and white photographs from them that I always thought were beautiful. So I took a film photography class and uh, so I got quite good at it. So when I got into law school, I actually started doing photography on the side and uh, just to kind of make a little bit more money because uh, my, my son was born on my first semester of law school and, well, that was hard. <laughs> I, I went from, uh, yeah, it, the whole thing was a, a 360 turn because I went from uh, art school that's very uh, uh, fun and welcoming and it's your passion uh, to law school, which is very structured and very, you have to read 50 pages uh, for the next day. And uh, well, you know, I, I just had a newborn. I wasn't getting any sleep. So my, my first semester, the grades were very bad. Uh, I remember thinking to my wife, well, you know, I'll, I'll give this another semester, see if it works. But then the second semester, I, I wasn't getting even less sleep. And then, you know, my grandmother passed away that second semester, and I took like two weeks off for her funeral. And 
So that that hit me really hard in my grades. And I remember I, I went into probation, but by that time, uh, I I wasn't thinking of quitting anymore. I I, I just took it in stride, and and I and I thought, well, I can maybe grow from this, like I've grown from every other adversity in my life. And I I buckled down. I did what I had to do. And you know, if I couldn't sleep, I couldn't sleep. And if I had to drink more coffee, I drank more coffee. I I started trying to learn how to study because I realized that a big part was I had never developed studying skills. And I remember feeling bad because uh, here I was, I had I had been an immigrant and I had been through hardship as a child and I had been in the military and uh, had some set of challenges and struggles. And But I, I was feeling like law school could defeat me because I wasn't intelligent or I didn't have the time enough. So, But I... I started working harder, and the harder I worked, the more I started liking it, and uh, I was able to get out of academic probation. You know, I, I started getting a, a real, uh, a, a real liking for corporate law. I, I, I saw that uh, entrepreneurs, business people, that there were small business people, there were people that uh, were trying to go against all odds. You know, uh, going to debt, uh, borrow from family, from friends. Uh, do whatever they had to do, and, and, and I felt like I was I could relate to them. I could relate to, you know, not having anything and having to make something out of nothing. And uh, so I, I, I really loved, I had a passion for entrepreneurship. I had a passion for entrepreneurs themselves. You know, I loved helping them. And my, my second daughter was born in my last semester. So I graduated from law school in May, and uh, because I, I fell in love with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, I decided to open my own law firm in corporate law. And uh, as part of that law firm, I, I wanted to do also business development and uh, help entrepreneurs get from A to Z, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, and traverse the business world and help them open their business and be successful. And because I can't practice law until I'm actually licensed and pass the bar exam, in the meantime, I'm just doing the business development. So right now, I'm just, I opened a business consulting firm and uh, I uh, do business consulting. I help people grow their business, expand, and uh, open businesses if they want. Carlos Hernandez Ocampo's story is part of Tough and Universal Stories of Grit, a new series produced by WFPL in partnership with Ideas X Lab. The story was edited and produced by me, Erica Peterson, with sound design by Laura Ellis. For more, including a childhood photo of Carlos and some pictures of him and his family, visit WFPL.org. <laughs>